Boeg World is brought to you by headscape.co.uk in association with getsignoff.com and the website owner's manual. On this week's show, Paul interviews Nicholas Felton about designing with data. We celebrate the return of 24 ways and explain how community can keep users coming back for more. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? Hi, Paul. How are you? Hello, Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul and Marcus. Hello and welcome to the first ever BoagWorld.com podcast. Boag World. Hello and welcome to the hundredth episode of Forty-sixth episode of your favourite podcast, BioagWorld.com, the podcast for those involved in designing, developing, and running websites on a daily basis. My name's Paul Barrick. and my name is Marcus. Hi, it's just Marcus today. Favourite podcast. You're an informal <laughs> podcaster today, just Marcus. Yeah, hi. No Lillington. Hi, I'm Marcus. Hey, you hi, can call me Marcus. You can call me M. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so, 146 episodes. Yeah gets longer and longer i've got some housekeeping quite a lot of housekeeping this week actually because i just had another one that's not on the show notes i've just been setting up you remember last year we raised um we raised over a thousand pounds last year for um a charity in india i'm going to tell you more about that next week in the christmas special but i've been setting that up um this year we're a bit more organized and we're going to be raising money um via something called justgiving.com and if you want to know what we'll be raising money for and indeed donate keenly even before the christmas special which i would encourage full heartedly <laughs> just donate now and later yes um go along to justgiving.com forward slash boag world mm. i feel like it's it sounds really good saying boag world like that in this echoey room boag world i am going to order a big canvas that's going to go on the wall if you've seen the live shows you know we've got a blank wall behind us and i'm hoping a big canvas on that will solve it mm. there we yeah go. even though you're going to get kicked out of your office Yes, I'm a bit bitter about that. <laughs> it's, it's the way we got him to agree to anything. Yes, you can have your own office, Paul, and now we're taking it away. Yes. You just don't <laughs> understand how important I am. Right, second piece of housekeeping is um, Jason wrote in asking a question about the chat rooms that we mention from time to time on the show. And it occurred to me that if he's asking the question, then maybe other people are too. Mm. He wanted to know... Um, whether the chat room that we mentioned is something anybody can join what is it how does it work etc um the chat room is actually associated with the live show that we occasionally stream um we try i think we're probably going to settle into streaming every other show it's basically the ones without the interviews we will uh, we'll probably stream live um so you can watch these shows by going to boagworld.com for slash live Mm-hmm. Um, and interact with us via the chat room as we record the show, which is why occasionally the chat room gets mentioned. Anyone's welcome, although you will probably need to be following me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash boagworld to work out when the hell we're going to record them. <laughs> People keep saying, oh, can we have a calendar? It's like, yeah, yeah. like we're that organized. They can have a calendar. There won't it be any dates in it. No. <laughs> It'll be meaningless. No, we have to fit. Unfortunately, we have to fit the recording of the podcast around paid work because we don't get paid to do the podcast. We don't know. We should be. I know. Where has it gone wrong, Marcus? How did it? How did it come to this? I don't know. So I'm uh, <laughs> talking of streaming live shows. The next live show we will be streaming has got a date and a time because it is our exciting Christmas special. Ooh. Marcus is bringing his guitar. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to play, but hey. Something. Just oh, you th- could take requests from the chat room. I could. I'll ignore them, but I could. <laughs> <laughs> Can you I play want, Britney Spears? Da, 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 da. Uh, no, I was thinking more. I want something heavy metal, but played in the form of easy listening. There was a program that used to do that. It was really funny. I think it was... I don't know. Anyway. Um, so anyway, we were going to be recording that on the 8th of December, which is next Monday. Mm-hmm. At 2.30pm UK time. Um, so hopefully you Americans will um, have got your asses out of bed by then. So you can come and join us too. It's going to be a good show. It's going to be a completely open format where we're just going to answer questions from the floor. 
and uh, all of our forum community um, are already asked loads of really cool questions. So we're going to do some of them, and they don't have to be any in any way. No, they don't have to be to do with web design. So, so some people, somebody, somebody's well, some people obviously email questions as mm-hmm. well, which you can send to paul at boagwall.com. Um, and if somebody asked us, for example, what would be our favourite non-technical, non-geeky gift for Christmas? Which, which I've yeah, so you got to think about that. I've got an answer to it, actually. Okay. Yeah, it's a good one. Mm. And actually, I got the answer from um, the final thing, which is wanted to mention. So yeah, so, so send your, your questions in, or you can just come along live and we'll answer questions in the chat room as well. But the other thing we're doing is we're going to do a feature on the top Christmas gifts for geeks, right? But actually, somebody posted because uh, we're encouraging people to post their suggestions, and somebody already has, and they posted this idea for a gorgeous pen, absolutely lovely. <laughs> A pen. A pen. 60 quid for this pen. But it's lovely. I feel about pens like you feel about watches. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, well, you're weird then. Why is that weird? (laughs) What makes a watch... What does this pen do then? Make cocktails? What does a bloody bloody watch do? Tells the time. Well, a pen's just a... I mean, you know, it's just an ink stream. What? A a watch is just a time stream. Yeah, but oh, that'd be, that sounds really cool, actually. Make a time stream. Time Look, stream. I, I've got a time stream on. <laughs> I'll be time streaming now, he says, looking at his watch. So anyway, you can vote for your suggestions um, over at User Voice, and there's a link in the show notes at baragworld.com forward slash podcast forward slash 146. Sorry, I'm, I know you're going to talk about it next week, but what is so good about the pen? It's just nice. It's nice. It looks nice. It's like it's like the, the current trend. Is it made out of expensive metal? Yeah. Well, that's all right then. What? Is that, oh, <laughs> that makes it worthwhile then, doesn't well, it? You know, it costs, you know, silver, gold, or they cost more than plastic. Oh, no, no, it's not made out, no, 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 it's not made out of precious metal. It's, it's just nice, it's just nice design. Shut up. Anyway, <laughs> this gives the listener a preview of what they're going to get at next week's show. Oh, they'll, Basically, they'll be flocking then, won't they? Those of, those of you that don't like the waffle in Boag World, just don't bother with next week's show, because it yeah. is just going to be, I'm not going to prepare anything, we're just going to go for it. Do you normally prepare something then? What's this? <laughs> he says, shaking the blooming show notes. Um, so I think that's that's all my housekeeping. Have you got anything interesting to say? No, right, let's move on. News is going to be old news to some people listening to this show today. Old news? Yes, because I accidentally posted the show notes live. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. So a lot of people have already seen the show notes this week. Uh, I miss Ryan. You know, I know you've had a baby. And I know you don't get paid to do this podcast, but get your ass back to work because <laughs> I'm screwing it up. It's like when Anna went away, I screwed up the, the RSS feed as well. Mm. Just one big <laughs> screw up. <laughs> anyway, so first news story. This week sees the return of 24 Ways. Mm. So 24 Ways um, is 24ways.org um, is an advent calendar for web geeks. How sad does that sound? I don't like this, where this is going. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Each day throughout December, they publish a daily dose of web design and development goodness to bring a little bit of Christmas cheer to your life. Well, a little bit of geek to I'd Christmas. I'd chocolate, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I think I would as well. Opening the door, getting a chocolate, good. Mm. Opening the door, getting an article about web design, not so good. Actually, I'm, I have to say... I don't know whether it's the quality of the posts on 24-Way or just the fact that it appears always just before Christmas, but I always get a little bit excited about 24-Ways coming back. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, yeah, it's both of those things. It, it means Christmas is nearly here. Yeah. And Christmas is time off. Yeah. Yes. So this year it returns in a sum, with a somewhat controversial new look. Yep. It's, well, I've looked through the comments and they were mostly very favorable. Yeah, it's Twitter that people are being rude on. Uh, so they're not brave enough to do it directly. Exactly. Mm. I, I have to say, personally, I, I'm not an enormous fan of the design, but that's not really the point. It's like, if you can experiment on a website aimed at web designers, and you can't push the boundaries and try some new stuff, then where can you? And even yeah. if even if they horribly screwed it up, which they haven't, by the way... I would have liked, you know, sort of red, green, and gold. Um, you want tinsel, tinsel on it, wouldn't you? That would be perfect. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is and awesome. little doors that open. <laughs> oh, that oh, would be cool. How cool would that yeah, be? Yeah, they need little doors, definitely. <laughs> so personally, I think it's great that they're experimenting. But anyway, that's beside the point. They've also got, obviously, not just a new look and feel, but a whole new set of posts. Um, there's also a complete archive of all the previous posts in the last few years that they've been doing it. So check those out as well and subscribe to their RSS feed. Um, there is something very, I think, just something very special about 24 Ways. I think it's... Part of the reason is that they give the writers a pretty much free hand on whatever they want to write about. Um, and so they write about what they're passionate about because they can write on whatever subject they wish. And this leads, I think, to a better quality of post than may be normal. Um, as if that is not recommendation enough, I suppose begrudgingly I should point out that I'm very... Begrudgingly? Well, you I couldn't be bothered... So I had to do it. So you are the second place. Nobody actually asked you to do it. I did force you on, on yeah. Drew. So anyway, <laughs> Marcus Lillington, our very own, um, will be a post coming soon. But you yeah. didn't even bother to ask what day. So our listeners are going to have to read every single article in the hope that it might be yours. I told you earlier tonight, I said, I'll, t- I'll tell the listener because it means me. The listener. Just <laughs> single. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not that confident. So, um, uh, yeah, so I was, I was reading Twitter and someone said, really not very impressed by today's 24 Ways article. And I, I naturally presumed it was yours, but uh, it wasn't, believe it or no, not. No, they'll be gushing about my one. I'm sure. So there you go. Surely, if Marcus is on it, then that's reason enough to subscribe. Just to look at the silly picture of me. Oh, yeah. Did you have to send him a picture? Mm-hmm. Did you send them one of your, in your pop star days? Oh, I should have done, shouldn't I? That would have been Don't so you. funny. Anyway, next up. So... Smashing Magazine. We bless love them, them, don't we? Bless them, bless them. I've been a little bit rude about them in the past. Just just gently friendly rudeness about how the fact that basically most of Smashing Magazine consists of lists of other people's work. Top 10 stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which they then review. And that has its place. It does, yeah. And good on them for doing that. But I have to say, and, and I do love them dearly, and even though they never plug my show, even though I seem to plug their flipping thing every other week but top, I'm not top bitter 10 about that. web design podcast called Boag World yes exactly <laughs> I think actually we were in their top 10 web design podcast I'm sure they must have done that they would have missed that trick you hoped it hoped that we would be so uh, yes anyway um, so they, but they've done something really genuinely useful this week <laughs> that sounds so rude doesn't it I'll stop talking really um, so <laughs> the, they produce something called the iPhone starter kit which is a set of buttons and elements and various iPhone interface gubbins mm-hmm. bundled into a Photoshop PSD so it's um, a kind of an ideal pack really for mobile developers and front end designers who want to, a professional way of showing off their mock ups and trying out ideas and stuff like that so um, you can get all of these for free and without restriction that means that you can use them both on private projects and on commercial projects. The only thing they ask is that you don't resell it, unsurprisingly. Um, admittedly, you uh, might not be doing a lot of work on iPhone interfaces right now. However, I suspect that it'll only be a matter of time before one of your clients asks you to produce a mobile application, and this will save you some time. If nothing else, you can pretend that you're doing trendy, <laughs> exciting iPhone design and do some mock-ups. So. Okay. There we go. Um, yeah, the mobile sector is increasingly important <clears> at the moment. <throat> I've been saying that every year for about four years. Yeah, one, one day it might be. <laughs> no, I think it is now. It's really taken off. I still, yeah, I still find it hard. Not hard. I still don't choose to use Safari on the iPhone. I mean, well, not if you're at home, but if you're out on the street, that's where it's going to be. Yeah. Do you not? I use it all the time. It's still not very usable. That's the problem. Okay give you a perfect example went into haskins do you know the skins yeah like garden it's a dorset shop no it's not it's a nationwide (laughs) chain you cheeky git it's like um it's a bit like a garden center but they do lots of housey stuff (laughs) i go there every christmas because it has loads of christmas decorations and it's very christmasy in there Mm -hmm. so we went in there and we found this amazing pop-up book for james right like a space pop-up book and i was with my mother and she said, oh, I'll buy this. And I said, no, don't. They'll probably have it on Amazon. She said, oh, no, I can't be bothered with that. So I took out the iPhone, went to the Amazon mobile site, used one-click ordering and saved myself nearly half the price of the book. Mm. So there you go. It's worth it, see? So in that local Dorset retailer, I'm going to go under because... He's not a local Dorset. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big chain. Anyway, 
That's times are hard, times, Paul. Yeah, times are hard, and I don't yeah. want to pay double for a flipping book. And next year, when you want to go and look at the lovely Christmas decorations, it'll be just a barren wasteland. And then I'll open up a browser, and he, James can look at pretty decorations on the internet. Yes, a plastic experience instead of the real thing. Yeah, <laughs> like all Christmas decorations aren't plastic. <laughs> Virtual experience, I think, was the word you were groping for. No, I prefer plastic. <laughs> okay it's next, a better word next next post next post um, is a site point blog um, uh, post entitled five ways hey it could be from Smashing Magazine five ways to get usability testing on the cheap usability testing is a good idea for any website basically isn't it we all know that increasingly um, the usability of a website um, you know becomes a, a key factor in visitor satisfaction and can increase sales and user loyalty and all that kind of good stuff on the business side of things it can also um, save money in development maintenance and support costs so all in all yes usability is important yes we know that the problem is is that website owners often perceive it as expensive and fail to grasp the high return on investment so we're always kind of looking for ways to keep the price down when it comes to usability testing so SitePoint has made five suggestions to keep the cost down first um, number one is you could use a service like usertesting.com now I've never used this but basically you submit your site users have a look at it and you get a video um, of each user um, basically looking at your site completing your tasks that kind of thing so it does look quite impressive we ought to give it a go We've talked about that a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, but never even looked at it. There's, there's a kind of another version of it, um, a, a written, where you get a written report. So it's not quite as good as the video one, but it's even cheaper. Um, and there's a company called Feedback Army that when I accidentally published my show notes, who spotted the link to them and instantly contacted me trying to get on the show. Um, but they cost as little as $7 for, for a user test session. So that really is cheapo, um, but definitely worth considering if you've got no budget. Now, what I'm doing this week um is i'm off out doing some usability testing might be next week actually um and i'm going to use uh um screenflow which is my screen capture program to Mm -hmm. to to record the usability sessions but there are some specialist kind of diy tools out there as well like there's silverback for the mac and mori do you reckon that's about mori 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 um for windows so check those out and they they enable you to record your sessions as you do them audio video screencast etc um also (laughs) what What are you laughing at i can't be bothered to finish the sentence etc 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 well you know i'm like that what's that king and i bloke etc etc well he's the bold bloke the bald bloke yeah it was in king and i back in the day uh yule brinner there we go i'm like okay. I'm, I'm like you you're Brenner. just like yule brinner well yes. i'm losing my hair <laughs> yeah beyond that the resemblance does stop i accept that you're male i'm male yes. that's true yes <laughs> although not as manly as yule brinner um, not many of us are were <laughs> is he still i don't think he's he must be dead he's so dead he's not very manually at all manually, manually. manually. <laughs> Hopeless. Uh, anyway, next point. So you, obviously you can ask friends and family. Alternatively, um, check out the Biangle Forum. There, You always get a lot of feedback there um, on designs and usability. And then finally, you can use services like Crazy Egg or Click Density to get heat maps showing how users interact with your site. So lots of different approaches to choose from. Um, and really, there is no excuse not to do a, a little, at least a little bit of usability testing on every project you do. Okay, final news story of the day is site search options. I put this in because one of the things I really hate about the Boag World website is my search facility. Um, I use a built-in mechanism that comes with my blogging software, and to be honest, it kind of sucks. Um, It's particularly embarrassing, I guess, because I'm always banging on to clients about how important search is. Why does it suck? I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it really returns very good results. They don't... Always works for me. Yeah, I don't... (laughs) I don't really just I what I've taken to do now if I want to find something on our on the Bergwald site I'll actually it always returns too many results that's the trouble it doesn't narrow it down enough so I use Google now when I want to search my own site which you know is a bit pants really and if I'm doing that then mm. anyway it's something that I should address but I really haven't had the time and considering about half of the users that arrive on pretty much any site will consider search before even looking at browsing it is important that search is done right. At least you've got a search box. Well, the sites true. I go to don't have any yeah, search. 
So I've been half-heartedly looking around for something that will do the job. And I remember we, we used Atoms for ages, didn't we? We did, yep. Um, but I think they started introducing loads of blatant advertising and stuff. So we kind yeah, of... the free service. Yeah. So we kind of, kind of gone off that idea a bit. I mean, the most obvious solution is you can integrate Google directly into your site. And that's pretty good, I have to say. But nothing really inspired me very much. However, this week, another post on SitePoint, that's two in one show, um, caught my eye. Um, and it was talking about the new site search from Yahoo, um, recently adopted by TechCrunch. It's got some fairly impressive features. So, for example, it does real-time indexing of content. So when a new blog post or comment is added, basically it appears in search results pretty much instantaneously. Um, you can customize your ranking, so you can kind of fine-tune the algorithm to fit your audience and user experience. So if you want to or if you want to push some particular thing, you can you know, push up the results, etc. Um, it also allows you to build like refinement mechanisms. So, for example, I could allow users to filter posts by category, number of comments, tags, or any other criteria that I care to make up. That's good. Um, and you can also blend in web results in as well. So, you know, if you don't have it on your site, you can search the web at large and, and return results from there as well. So quite quite interesting, really. Um, and if your site sucks, site search sucks. That's quite hard to say. <laughs> site search sucks as much as mine. Then you might want to check this out. So there we go. Okay. Let's now hurtle on into our interview today, which is going to be an interview with Nicholas Felton, um, and he's talking about designing with data. Well, kind of. To be honest, I found this guy so inspiring. I got him on the show, even though I don't think it's really 100% relevant. But it's kind of fun anyway, and hopefully you enjoy it. We're kind of getting into the Christmas. I'm going to put anything <laughs> oh. I feel like on the show. And um, Thanks very much for Todd, who's transcribed um, this interview. It's a bit of a mammoth one, so good job, Todd. So joining me today is Nicholas Felton. Good to have you on the show, Nicholas. Thanks so much, Paul. It's a pleasure being here. It's the the first time that I've really spoken to you. I, I only um, first kind of saw you or heard about your work at Future of Web Design. And I have to say, you completely blew me away with a presentation that was very different from the majority of stuff that was being talked about because it, it wasn't really fundamentally about web design, I guess, in a way. No, I think in a way it's about a weird hobby that's kind of developed into a tiny web phenomenon. <laughs> Well, from, I mean, from what I can gather, it's a fairly big web phenomenon, according <laughs> to um, Keir from uh, Carsonified, who, who was raving about you afterwards. Um, for those people that, that haven't come across you uh, before, tell us a bit about yourself. Who are you? What is it that you do? Where is it you work? A bit of background, basically. Sure, sure. Um, well, again, my name is Nicholas Felton. I'm a graphic designer, predominantly print, but I definitely dabble in the web and uh, I'm there more and more frequently. I went to art school. I studied graphic design about 10 years ago here in America at the Rhode Island School of Design. And I've worked in graphic design firms and in advertising, doing identity. And um, on the side, I've started my personal website called Feltron, where I've, I've grown these uh, annual reports that have become something I'm sort of getting well known for. So let, let's talk about these annual reports, because this is what you were talking about, a future of web design. Yes. And there's yeah. a lot of people that might be listening to this thinking, well, hang on a minute, he's just said that he's primarily a print designer. This is a web design podcast. You know, why have we, we got him on the show? Well, just to <laughs> kind of deal with that to start with, I mean, obviously, web design, you know, it should be a lot broader. It should, we should be looking outside of the web for inspiration. And I, I found these Felton annual reports incredibly inspiring. Um, for those of, that don't know, tell us a little bit about what they are. <laughs> All right. Well, I, re I really latched onto this name for them because I think it communicates pretty quickly what it's about. Everyone understands what an annual report is. It's the summation of a year. And um, I've just attached my name, or um, more precisely, my sort of web name, which is Feltron. My last name is Felton. But um, these started in 2004. I was just trying to get a grip on the year and wrap it up. And I looked around at the websites I was looking at and the books I enjoyed. And I put that all on my site. But I snuck in a couple of little details, like the number of postcards that I sent and worked out the number of air miles that I traveled. And those sort of, they hooked 
worked me. And so the next year, I went back through my records and I put together a multi-page feature for my website. Where I looked at my travel in more detail, um, making pie charts of the countries that I went to. I split up my photography into all these different metrics that I could examine. And um, between that, I came up with about six pages, I think, of exploration of my eating and drinking habits and the culture that I enjoyed for the year. And um, this was something I thought would only be appealing to people who knew me well. It would be a little bonus for them at the end of the year. And it turned out to be a little... Um, little viral and mm. people started sending it to their friends and I started hearing from strangers that they thought it was fantastic and people saying I want to do this so mm. I've tried to spend more and more time on it each year um, to stay in the forefront of this desire that I see building for people to encapsulate their year and this kind of report I mean for, for me personally when I heard you speak I immediately came away with the desire to do the same thing just as That's you described. fantastic. <laughs> but, but, but the question that's burning in me is why? Why do I feel the desire to do that? Why did, why did you do it? Where did the idea come from? How did this all start? I think it wasn't that hard for me to do. The, the first one that I described, which is a multi-page document, I actually didn't do anything different than I'd been doing for previous years. I just had this natural habit that in my calendar I would write down where I went socially as well as what I did for work. And I was able to look at that and between the names of the restaurants, I knew this was a Thai restaurant, so I could sort of make pie charts of what types of meals I was eating and I knew how many bars I'd been to. And I guess after that year I decided I was really going to formally examine this and decided to strictly track more things over the course of the year. Mm. So it kind of and I guess out. sorry, carry on. Well, I guess for me, it's driven by curiosity. I think I'm a pretty naturally curious person. Maybe you are as well. And it's not about changing my behavior. I really don't want the reports or this recording of my year to affect what I do over the year. Um, I just I think I have a find a lot of solace in the numbers that come out of it. Just knowing how many beers I had, or how many coffees I had, or how many air miles I traveled is is really comforting to me. It's a way of tackling some of the unknown in our life. Mm. It's, it's interesting because uh, when you when you describe it, if if someone hasn't seen these reports, you know, when you, you kind of think of a annual general report that's published by a company, which are tediously dull right. documents, but <laughs> but the things that you produce, I mean, are, are graphically stunning as well. So I'm no, interested. Thanks. Is it is it primarily a kind of data collection? Um, exercise for you or is it more a graphic design exercise you know is it about I mean you kind of indicated it's about the data that you're gathering um, yes rather than maybe the graphics but the graphics are obviously what sells it to other people I guess I don't know yeah it's hard it's hard for me to split it but I have to say you know it's absolutely about the finished product which is a piece of graphic design and the better the data is the better the story I have to tell so um, it's 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 a narrative of my year. It's all encapsulated, and it is. I mean, it's primarily a visual piece, and I do I do put a lot of time and effort into making sure that it's very visual and very easy to read quickly. But that there are little details in it you can pull out if you want to spend more time with it. Yeah, I, I mean that's the, the the immediate thing that you said there. It's very time consuming. I mean, yes, not. <laughs> Not only from a design point of view, and I'm sure it must take you, you know, just an unbelievable number of hours to produce something that, that is so exquisitely designed. But, right. I mean, tracking all this stuff, you know, you must spend, I mean, I'm surprised there isn't a big part of one of your pie charts that's just, you know, entitled tracking, you know, where you spend hours just tracking all this information. You know, what, what, what keeps you going? Why do you continue to do this? Well, first of all, I don't... It, just doesn't take that much time actually oh. um, I tend to sit down in the morning in front of my calendar and write down the, the meaningful things from the previous day but at most five to ten minutes a day um, it's definitely a background process that's running in me all the time is do I need to take note of this for my reporting and 
And when I do leave my routine, when I travel, it's a bit more complicated because then I'm doing new things and I want to make sure I get them right. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it's something I think you get into the habit of doing. And for anyone who writes a diary or, or does these sort of recordings of the day, I think after a while it's not a burden at all. Mm-hmm. Um, last year I did find out, I decided out of this curiosity that I want to record every street that I'd walk down in in New York City, and that did become a little burdensome. burdensome. But um, <laughs> it's it was well worth it. Yeah, I mean, it's a year thing you picked that one out because that that yeah. was the one that um, that I really looked at and went, "Wow, that must have taken a long time." Yes, that. Um, but it was well worth it. Like a year is a long time, but it's actually not that long of a time. And I had a lot of hunches going into it about where I would go and where I didn't go, and. It's it's phenomenal to see how little of the city I've actually my routine is actually settled into. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's a fascinating exercise. Um, yeah. Just kind of give us a, a a little bit of an idea. You know, tell us. You just mentioned walking down certain streets. T- tell the listeners some some of the other things that you collect, the other bits of information. Well, last year I was keeping track of every single. Um, alcoholic beverage that I had um, for some reason that's I think drinking is really easy to keep track of because it is sort of a binary act it's like one drink versus a meal which can be more complicated but um, also my uh, so alcoholic beverages I had 968 in 2007 um, I had 83,565 milligrams of caffeine <laughs> through all my coffee beverages um, which by examining my weight and the caffeine content of each type, I was able to deduce was approximately 6.8 lethal doses. <laughs> so I knew there'd be a couple lethal doses in there. I just wasn't sure how many. Uh, I worked it out. <laughs> that's, that's just horrifying. How do you decide what it is you're going to track? Um, it's, it usually just leads naturally out of the previous year. Some right. like in June, I will decide. Oh, I wish I'd been tracking that this year. And so next year, I'll make a make a point of doing that. So last year, I started delving into the distances I traveled. Um, I worked out that I traveled about a thousand seventy five miles on the New York City subways. Right. So this year, um, I've taken a much closer look at the distance that I've traveled. I've worn a pedometer all year so that I can figure out how far I've walked. And, wow. Yeah. What, are, what kind of other stuff are you tracking at the moment? So you're tracking how far you've walked. What other things? Um, most, mostly the same things from previous years, but I'd like to look at it all through the lens of distance. So oh, okay. it'll be a different measure of the year. You know, rather than relating things to days or hours, how does that relate to how far... Um, in terms of length, I was through the through the year. Mm. I mean, you mentioned the pedometer there. What other kind of yes. tools do you use for collecting data? I mean, when you're out and about, you, I feel like you need a really handy little iPhone app or something here that kind of records all this stuff for you. But, you know, what tools are you using? Well, yes, the iPhone is great. I've tried to have some sort of smartphone where I can take notes or at all times through this project. Um, but... Oftentimes, it's just as simple as sending an email to myself. So I have this little note that gets collected and goes into a folder, and um, I make sure that I enter that into my calendar. Um, and mostly all goes into iCal. I also use Backpack by the 37 Signals guys to keep running lists of like the clothes that I purchased through the year or the movies that I saw. And then when it all comes together, it's uh, Excel. Everything has to get into a spreadsheet so that all the math can get done. And that's probably half of the time it takes to design is just collating all the numbers. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is absolutely fascinating. It, it, it's something very addictive about the whole idea. I mean, if, okay, for somebody like me, right, let's say I right. wanted to go for this and I wanted to try it. What kind of advice would you, would you give me starting out? Well, probably the, the best advice is to pick something that you're going to be able to track, that you're not just, you're not just picking what websites do I visit because it's going to be overwhelming and you're just going to pass on it after a week or two. Right. So pick something that's easy that you do not too infrequently that it's not interesting but frequently enough that you're going to get a good data set out of it. Mm. Um, and 
So, like, if you see a lot of concerts, I think concerts attended is great. And then what are the aspects of that that are interesting? Mm -hmm. Who did you see and where was it or how long was it? So I think definitely in this, this website I've been developing to help other people create their own annual reports or just personal reporting in a way, you can just have one really rich data set and by slicing it in different ways, I think you can get a lot of interesting presentations out of it. Mm. You mentioned a site there that you're developing. Tell us a bit about that. Okay, it's called datum.com. It's D-A-Y-T-U-M. And it's just a place where I've tried to remove a lot of the boundaries for creating a document like this. Mm -hmm. So there are two parts of it. There's the recording element that can get complicated, so we want to make a way that's really easy for you to count things, and then the display part of it, which is practically inaccessible to a lot of people. So there are a lot of built-in pie charts and stack line graphs and cool. um, counting methods that are all built in in a sort of clean design, and you can just make this page that fills up with graphs and num numeric uh, intricacies of your life. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I must admit, I've had a quick look at it. I haven't signed yes. up for it yet. And, you know, it's got that same clean look that your reports have. And, you know, right. it's obviously beautifully designed as well. I mean, we've, we've spent a long time, haven't we, talking about, um, about the collecting of the data. I think that that's probably the most kind of fascinating bit. But as this is a web design podcast, I feel like we should be talking about the design a little bit as well. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I think the kind of key thing that really struck me is that, you're presenting, you know, fairly dry data. And don't get me wrong, I'm not implying that your life is boring, <laughs> but, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's data that you're presenting. And you're doing that in a kind of visually stunning way. Tell us sure. about how the design comes together. To, you know, what's your design process? Well, I have the benefit of being in control of all the data, so thing isn't looking right one way I can explore it a different way or I can rewrite a headline, which is you know, one of the greatest advantages that any designer can have mm. rather than working for someone else. And then I sort of have uh, an infographics approach where really eschew using keys or um, trying to make your eye go in too many places to understand something. So whenever possible, I try and keep everything really focused so you can look in one spot and hopefully understand what's going on there immediately rather than having to look at color codes or uh, translate symbols unnaturally. Mm. I, I mean, there's a, a lot of graphic designers out there that kind of find working with data and, uh, you know, and things like that incredibly dull. Um, yes. You know, how do you keep inspired? You know, how do you, do you get something out of it? Because it's not, you're not working with gorgeous imagery um, or anything like that, you know, it's quite, it's quite dry. You know, what, what inspires you about doing this kind of stuff? Well, I guess they're kind of like puzzles for me. Um, I always see the establishing of infographics sort of like the data's there and it wants to be, it wants to look interesting. So how can I make a system that's going to present it in the, the most uh, instructional way? So I'll, I'll play with that system so that it lined up in um, a dramatic way rather than just sitting in a static, um, predictable line graph or bar chart or something like that. Mm. I mean, also, you seem to use typography very heavily, so I'm, I'm guessing that's something you're particularly passionate about. Yeah, I guess it's my two natural loves in one place, um, <laughs> the numbers and type. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. So, I mean, what advice would you give for, for, you know, us web designers that are kind of, you know, we do work with data a fair amount, you know, from, sure. from surveys through to, you know, content management systems that, that provide reporting and things like that. What do you think the key is to, to presenting, you know, data in an understandable and approachable format? Well, I think one of the key things is just getting away from the default options that you're given, like... I found it's really impossible to get a nice looking graph out of Excel or out of Apple's numbers. Mm. And the same is kind of true for the Google Chart API, which is what we use for datum.com. It's basically a way of sending a URL to Google and they return a pie chart or um, a line graph. But it, they can get really 
overly complicated and ugly very quickly. So it's a matter of stripping it down and making sure that this is something that's going to be dramatic and simple to understand. Mm. It's that, that simplicity thing again that, you know, of taking something complex and, and as you say, stripping it down and, and keeping it. Absolutely. Mm. And even if you have the benefit of being able to edit your material so that I'm looking at a pie chart that has four or five slices rather than 17, um, I think it's going to benefit your readers mm. enormously. So the datum that you, you are in the process, is that actually live now or is it still in the process of being developed? Is that kind of, I can't remember whether it was generally accessible or whether it was in a closed beta. Um, it's in a beta, but the, the wait list is down to less than a week now. So oh, it's right. just a queue, basically, to protect our servers. But, um, yeah, we're adding new features all the time. We're about to add averages there, so you can examine your average cup of coffee or um, your average commute time. Cool. And um, we just plan on trying to preserve the user experience by making sure we don't get too swamped and growing it over time. So how did this come about? Uh, you know, who's, you keep saying we, so who's the team that's oh, behind that? Yes, uh, it's my partner, Ryan Case, who's more on the development side, but is also a fantastic uh, user interface designer. And he came to me in January or February of this year, and like many people had said, we should figure out a way to do this your reports on the web so that other people can do it. But he had the technical chops and uh, motivation to really get the ball rolling. And um, he's become actually a great data tracker himself and has been keeping track of all his beers religiously and all the trains he's been taking, um, which I didn't know he had in him. So I think it goes to show that anybody with the proper motivation could get started. Sure. So, uh, yeah. I mean, is this is this your full-time job now, or is it a, um, a part-time project? You know, how It's about half-time at this okay. point. Um, I still have my editorial clients and web clients and identity clients that I work for, but cool. this definitely occupies as much free time as I can give to it. Well, I found the whole thing incredibly inspiring, and it, it really made Thank me... Thank you so much. You know, it made me look from a completely different perspective uh, at... Um, I don't know, uh, graphic design and also uh, life in general, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, we have so many people come on this show, you know, that are talking about the, the kind of stock and trade of web design. I thought it'd be really good to get you on, you know, just to give a different perspective and make us look outside of our little boxes. So thank you so much for coming on, and I wish you all the best. Uh, uh, thank you, Paul. With your various projects. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Okay, take care. Listener feedback. This contribution... Is a question from Dave. He writes, I am having a real problem maintaining users. They visit the site once and then I never see them again. I have good content. The site is usable, so I'm at a loss as to what to do. Should I be worried? Are repeat users really important? What can I do to keep them coming back? Which doesn't cost a fortune. Mm. Even though I've got a fortunate written down here. Oh, ass. Oh, wow, that's Dave's fault. Dave, yeah. It doesn't cost a fortunate. Fortunate. So, um, yes. Thank you, Dave, for that. Actually, it was very timely. Was it? It was very timely because I was just finishing off Chapter 11 of the Website Owner's <laughs> Manual, which is about community. So it gave me a, a kind of... It seemed to fit in quite well, so I thought I'd include it. Do you know I'm on the last chapter now? <sighs> it's so cool. It's nearly done. Even I'm glad now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fed up. Wait until it launches. I'll be going on about it endlessly then. I'll, I'll be walking into the office. Marcus, have you seen my book? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> no, I just no. do it. Neither do I anymore. <laughs> I want to kill myself. Right, um, right. So I've written about the importance of repeat users before. Um, there are people who, um, you know, these are the people. The repeat users are the people that develop brand loyalty, that complete calls to action, and, and regularly purchase from your site. So, for example, according to some data from um, Website Story Inc. That's quite a cool name, website story, mm. not that. Um, repeat. Did you see what they're doing there. Yeah, I know it's clever. Clever. Isn't it? That clever playing words <laughs> does it for me. So um, the, anyway, they they reckon that repeat users are about eight times more likely to make a purchase um, from an e-commerce site, um, which is is significant. Repeat users are basically the lifeblood of most websites, aren't they? So one of the best ways to keep users coming back for more is to so, foster. So Dave should be worried. They should be worried, yeah. Be worried. He's got a reason to be worried, yes. I'm agreeing with Dave. But now yeah, I'm going to help Dave. 
Are we going to help him now? We're going to help him. Okay. Because I like Dave, even if he can't spell fortune. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the things that keeps Jesus coming back is is to foster a community. However, a thriving community provides a lot of benefits beyond just repeat traffic. Um, An online community can also improve your offering. It can change people's uh, perception of your brand. It can promote your site and it can reduce your costs. Um, And we have covered the benefits of community on the podcast before. However, to be honest, that was back in 2006. And so my thinking's moved on a little bit. Um, I therefore hope that you will forgive me if I want to clarify what I mean when I say community can help. So you're not making it up quite as much as you were then. Probably am actually just, <laughs> just different, different things I'm making up basically. Just, yeah. This is today's trend. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm into community at the moment. I'm in a community resurgence. I'm finding it an increasingly powerful tool. I think because it's been so powerful with Boag World, and mm. we would be so stuffed if it wasn't for the people that have got involved and uh, have, have helped out. So, good community is not just about speaking um, uh, to one, you know, to one another on a forum or in a chat room. It's also a two-way dialogue between you and your users as well. Um, it's an opportunity for you to hear from your users and discover what they want from your website. So, um, in an attempt to refine their products or hone their marketing message, many organisations have spent substantial figures on focus groups and customer surveys. However, a healthy community is constantly providing feedback on your offering for free. Mm. So, um, this obviously gives a superior insight into how your products or services should be developed at little or no cost. Um, however, listening to your users does not um, just improve your offering, it also improves uh, their perception of you. So, um, people like to be heard, basically. Um, They like to feel that their opinion matters and that they're being listened to. And engaging with your users and really listening to what they've got to say about your products and services is incredibly powerful. And it's even more powerful um, when they see that you're acting upon their suggestions. So, both Dell and and Microsoft are good examples of this. And they significantly improved the way that their brand was perceived by talking to customers and engaging with their community that surrounds their products. Often this involves nothing more than a speedy response and an apologetic tone. Um, <laughs> however, openness and transparency with a community can go a long way too. Um, if it's, uh, it's even possible to undo a negative brand perception um, and to then go on to nurture a positive one. And once you've got users feeling positive about your brand then they start recommending you to other people. And that's really powerful. Mm. So I know I've gone off a little bit from the subject, but I'm just trying to drive home the point to Dave that, you know, community can provide a lot of benefits and, and that would be where I'd put his energy. And one of those benefits is, is promoting your site. You know, a community which is enthusiastic about your site or your product um, is one of the most powerful promotional tools available. I mean, sites like Dig, for example, dig.com, are popular largely because of their passionate community. Equally, Apple's success is at least partly reliant on their obsessional fans who constantly push and promote their products. Nothing is more valuable, really, than personal recommendation. I agree with that. Yeah. If you include your users in the process of developing your site or your product or whatever else, then they feel invested in it. If they feel invested in it, then they're much more likely to promote it to other people they know. So a successful community will all be se- always be seeking to draw others in, so growing and promoting your site. This kind of evangelistic tendency in a community is something that um, can also lead to substantial cost savings, obviously. As I've already said, a passionate community can provide free advertising in effect and save you money on things like focus groups and product development. However, it can save you money in customer support as well. This is particularly true if your site um, obviously provides customer support. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really dumb sentence. Um, That's going in the book. (laughs) Yeah, might need to edit that bit. Uh, Rather than users um, sending queries directly to you, they can post them to um, a support forum and allow other community uh, members to answer the question these forums can also obviously become a repository for knowledge that others can draw upon and this reju- reduces the support burden and therefore costs on your organization finally communities can also lead to a lower cost to sell because they've already you've already got enthusiastic contributors to the community and they're really easy to reach and talk to um, and this is especially true um, if you want to encourage repeat ordering you can just keep going back to your community so hopefully some of that's convinced you of the benefits of community dave and that it's worth spending some time building a bit of a community around your products that's it 
Right. So have you got a joke for us today before we wrap up this exciting pre-Christmas show? <clears throat> I wanted to save them all for next week. but I've Have got, you got I've... any Christmassy jokes for next week? I might have. You, mean, you need to so. go and actively find Christmas All right, I will jokes. do. No, this is a, an, uh, another one for me, in, which made me laugh, uh, but it's really quite rubbish. But hey. Is, the, is it as good as last week's? Last not week's even brilliant. close. It's a short and not that sweet one. Because last week's joke caused ripples through the whole internet of humour. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> no, it was, it it was, was pretty good. good. All right, here we go. Uh, I was in a restaurant last night and got into a fight with one of the waiters. He threw a prawn cocktail at me, and that was only for starters. <laughs> well, it made me laugh. It'll do. That's my kind of level, everyone. So, yeah, I'm easily, easily pleased. Mm. Now, I've got lots for next week. So. Good stuff. Really looking forward to next week's show. I think it's going to be our best Christmas show ever. 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 Which isn't well, setting a very high bar. We've only said. done two. I know. And they were both a bit shit because they were last minute. I've actually vaguely thought about this one. Wasn't the first one when we had the mu- annoying music yeah, through the whole thing. Way through. Yeah. yeah. I'd like that. Perhaps you do that again. <laughs> So anyway, yeah. thank you for listening. Please, please, please um, support um, the Borough Wall community and indeed support the charity um, that we're giving to this year by going to justgiving.com forward slash Borough World and give as much as you think Borough World is worth, which won't be very much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show and goodbye. Bye. Hello, world of Borough.